Chapter forty one of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter forty one The Flight of the Swallows. Divide lands north of Sleepy Cant lie high and over their broad spread trails open fan like north, northeast, and northwest each of the trails penetrates at a negotiable point the broken country running up to the mountains that battle with the northern sky the first highways of the country followed the easiest travel lines without fences or borders their travelers to escape washouts or dust were free to broaden them as they fancied in this way older ruts were gradually abandoned and new ones formed and with heavy travel these trails grew into sprawling avenues as settlers took up lands and fenced their claims such pioneer roads were blocked at intervals to meet this difficulty new trails were made around the gradually increasing obstacles and in the end roads along section lines were laid out with grading and bridging but the wagon and cattle trails of the early days rut-cut storm-washed and polished by sun and wind and sand to a shining smoothness still stretch across country truncate and deserted under their weather-beaten silence lies the story of other days and other men and women along one of the earliest and broadest of these trails running into the north country laramie an hour after bradley's arrival was galloping with kate doubleday but for the shadow of her father's condition there was everything in the ride to make for kate's happiness the sweep of the matchless sky the glory of the sunshine the wine of the morning air the eager feet and spreading nostrils of the horses and at her side her lover the trust a woman gives to a man the security of his protection the daily growth of her confidence in her choice and her surrender these could temper if they could not extinguish her confused grief for laramie the shadow meant less sympathy drew him closer to kate there was even happiness in knowing that she turned in her distress to him for consolation and guidance timidly she tried to tell him as they rode of some of the better traits of her father traits that might extenuate his cold hard brutality as if to build him up a little in the eyes of one she wished not to think of him too harshly don't worry over what i'm going to think about him said laramie if i worried over what a lot of people think about me where should i be there's some good in most every man but it doesn't always get a chance to work kate's anxiety was reflected in her manner if only she exclaimed they haven't killed him today the two had crossed the first divide below them lay the crazy woman spanned by the double draw bridge his friends were his worst enemies continued laramie but they've got to get out of this country now and the worst men are out of the falling wall still if you don't like it there we won't live there he added sitting half sidewise toward kate in his saddle to feast his eyes on her freshness and youth 
"'I shall like it anywhere you are, Jim,' she said, looking at him simply. The picture was too much for his restraint. He reined eagerly toward her. With a laugh she shied away, struck her horse, and dashed ahead. Laramie spurred after her. But they were on the level creek bottom and riding swiftly. She gave him a long run, more than he had looked for. He realized as they raced toward the bridge that he had for one moment forgotten everything but his complete happiness. He called to Kate to stop. In her zest she spurred the harder. He knew she must not reach the bridge ahead of him, yet he realized the difficulty he faced. She would not understand, and at every cost he must stop her. Animated by this sudden instinct of danger, he crowded his horse, forged abreast the flying girl, caught her bridle, and to her astonishment dragged her horse and his own rudely to their haunches. They were almost at the bridge itself. "'Back up!' he exclaimed. "'Back up!' "'Jim!' she cried. "'Please don't throw me!' "'Don't speak. Back!' he said low and sharply. Something in the tone and manner of the command admitted of no parley. With her horse cavorting half-strangled as he jerked and backed, Kate, looking amazed at Laramie, saw in his face a man new to her, a man she never had seen before. Not her questioning look, nor the frantic struggles of the rearing horses touched him. Nothing in the confusion of the sudden moment drew his eye for an instant from the bridge before him, and his drawn revolver was already poised in his hand. Kate knew her part without another protest. She tore her horse's mouth cruelly with the curb. Where the danger was or what, she did not know, but she could obey orders. Her eyes tried to follow Laramie's bent ahead. The bottom spread level in every direction. The approach to the little bridge and beyond was as open as the day. Not a living creature was anywhere in sight. Nothing with life had anywhere stirred. Nothing of sound broke the silence of the morning except when laramie allowed them to stop the startled breathing of the horses jim exclaimed kate in awed restraint what is it his eyes were riveted straight ahead but he answered in a most matter-of-fact tone there's somebody under that bridge she strained her eyes to see something he must have seen that she could not see the dazzling sunshine, the dusty road, the rough-built, short wooden bridge before them were all plain enough, and Kate realized for the first time that Laramie, who had been riding on her right, was now on her left, and presently that his revolver was sheathed, and his rifle, which had hung in its scabbard at the horse's shoulder, was slung across the hollow of his right arm. Kate, he said, speaking without looking at her, Will you ride back about a mile and wait for me? She turned to him. What are you going to do, Jim? Smoke that fellow out. She spoke almost in a whisper. Is it Van Horn, Jim? I don't believe he'd hide there. It's more like stone. Jim, stone's a deadly shot. Looking into the distance, he only replied, From cover. This may be a long-winded affair, Kate, he added pausing. You'd better ride as far as the hills. 
She looked at him bravely, restrained, but with all her love in her eyes. I don't want to leave you, Jim. It's poor business for you to be in, he returned firmly. There's no way to make it pleasant. Don't drive me away, he hesitated again. You might do this. Ride back about eighty rods. Leave the road there. Bear to the west and circle around the little knoll you'll see. There's a clump of willows below the west side of that knoll. Do you know every clump of willows in this country, Jim? He answered unmoved. I know that one, for I've crawled up there more than once to take observations under that bridge myself. Get around behind those willows and you can see the creek bottom all the way to the bridge. I'm going up the creek about five hundred yards. I'll work down. Whoever's under the bridge can't get away except down the creek. If you see a man trying that, just fire two shots in the air, close together. I'll understand. If you get into any kind of trouble, which you're kind of trying to do, fire two shots a few seconds apart. I won't be far off. With a plea to him to be careful, behind which all her agony of apprehension was repressed and mastered, Kate wheeled her horse and galloped back. Laramie, skirting a depression, rode into a break leading to the creek bed. The creek was practically dry. Just a thread of water here and there among the rocks marked the course of flood time. Dismounting, Laramie shook himself out of the saddle and, laying his rifle across his arm, walked carefully downstream along the bed of the creek. He knew if he were seen first, the fight would be over before he got into it. Of chances to kill from cover, the criminal he felt sure he was hunting would need but one. No man from the Falling Wall country was stone superior in the craft of hiding. But none was Laramie's equal in the art of surprise, and Laramie meant for once to make an antagonist formidable from cover show in the open. With this alone in purpose, he stalked with the patience of an Indian from point to point and cover to cover down toward the bridge, crouching, halting, and peering, slipping from the shoulder of a rock to the shelter of a boulder, flattening on his stomach to worm his way under a projecting ledge, and sliding noiselessly on his back down the face of a water-worn glacis, but drawing closer all the time to the bridge. He knew every inch of the ground. He knew how well his quarry had concealed himself to render surprise impossible. But Stone's very safety in this respect made his retreat more difficult. A man lying in wait under the double draw staked practically everything on one chance, that the man he sought to kill should cross the bridge. It was then easy to pick him off from behind. But if the intended victim, suspicious, should get unseen into the creek bed, the skulker could hardly avoid a fight. Three hundred yards above the bridge, the creek walls open in an ellipse, narrowing abruptly where the bridge spans them. This open space has been scoured by floods until the bedrock lies like a polished floor, and it was now dry except where the piers of the bridge stood in stagnant pools. Once within this amphitheater, whose vertical walls rise twenty to thirty feet, no fighting cover is available. 
behind a rocky point that guarded the upper entrance of the opening stood laramie he was watching the shadow cast by a shrub that sprang shallow-rooted from a crevice in the bedrock for an interminable time he waited only noting the slow swing of the narrow shadow as the morning sun flooding the rock basin rose in majestic course gradually the defection of the slender indicator moving like a finger on the rock dial marked the turn of the sun well past the shoulder of the point at which laramie must emerge when that moment came he looked sharply out sprang from behind the point and ran sideways into the narrow shadow thrown from the curving wall stone uneasy and alert stood under the bridge his rifle across his arm the two men saw each other almost at the same instant for stone it was the climax of a hatred long nursed because of a supremacy long challenged and for him it was an open field with weapons in which his skill was as matchless as laramie's was held to be at close quarters with a colt's revolver nor had laramie underestimated the chances of an encounter under such circumstances he counted only on the slight advantage of a surprise knowing from disagreeable experiences how a surprise jars the poise and there persisted in his mind what he had never until then hinted to another that stone shooting as an assassin from cover and stone himself facing death might shoot differently on these slender hopes he covered stone as the ex-rustler jumped his rifle to his check and cried to him to pitch up stone's answer was a bullet his shot echoed laramie's and as laramie whipped the hat from his enemy's head his bullet tore through the right side of laramie's belt bareheaded and thirsty to come on his antagonist stone jumping from laramie's second bullet ran forward hugging the creek wall dropped on one knee fired and ran in again laramie refused to be tempted from the shadow in which he stood until stone rounding the wall again as he came on firing threatened to find partial cover should laramie stand still it was a contest of deadly fencing of steady heads and cool wit a struggle in instant strategy and if stone meant to force laramie into the sunshine he now succeeded but at a fearful cost laramie jumped not only into the sunshine but into the blinding sun itself and when stone ran in again laramie tore open his hip with a bullet it knocked the foreman over as if it had been a mallet but he was swiftly up and firing persistently almost outlined with bullets laramie's figure against the rock wall he splintered the grip of laramie's revolver in its holster he cut the sleeve from his wrist and tore hair from the right side of his head but he could not stop him enraged and realizing too late how every possibility in the fight had been figured out by his enemy before he stepped into sight stone crippled yet forced to circle dropped once more on his knee to smash in a final shot he was covered the instant he knelt a bullet from laramie's rifle shook him like a leaf his head jerking sunk to his breast with a superhuman effort he rallied he looked at laramie narrowly watching 
shook the hair from before his eyes and fumbling at the firing lever tried to elevate his rifle to pump but he swayed on his bent knee the rifle slipped from his grasp he sank to the rock floor clutching with his big hands at the gravel while laramie running to him turned him over snatched his revolver from its holster and throwing it out of reach lifted his enemy's head when kate in an agony of suspense made her way to the creek bed she found laramie scooping water up in his hands for stone she could not go near the wounded man only by word from where she stood piteously and by dumb sign she drew laramie to her to learn whether he was hurt when he declared he was not she would not believe him till she had felt his arm where one bullet had cut his sleeve and where the deadliest had raised a sullen red welt along his temple ben simmerall was first to come along on his way to town in his wagon john frying-pan was with him with their help laramie got stone up to the bridge and into the wagon to take to town he had shut his eyes and refused to talk kate made laramie tell her every detail of the fight and breathed anew the terrors of each moment i stole toward the bridge the minute i heard the firing she confessed unsteadily oh yes i know i might have been killed but if you were i wanted to be how could you tell when you stopped me so jim there was a man under the bridge a bunch of bank swallows nests under that bridge right where stone was hiding he said reflecting those swallows always fly out when i ride up to it if they don't fly out i don't cross today they didn't fly out end of chapter forty one